welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, and the best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. I wrote the U-Turn book and I created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are. And that is why every single week I bring on a guest with tools to really help you long-term upgrading your confidence, both in your work life and in your love life. And I'm also so grateful to say that this episode has been sponsored in part by our friends over at Soul CBD. They create the highest quality CBD on the market, and it's this trust I have with their brand that has led me to use their products every single day. Everything they make is organically farmed, gluten-free, with absolutely no THC in it. And today, I want to tell you about one of their game-changer products that probably everyone needs, especially when they're having a stressful week and they're on the go, and it's called Soul CBD's Dream CBD Capsules. Each capsule has 25 milligrams of pure CBD and two and a half milligrams of melatonin. So whenever I travel to a different time zone, these are what allow me to get past the jet lag. I simply take one every night of my travels about 30 minutes before bed and it pretty much guarantees me to be able to sleep through the night and after four to five nights traveling and taking them every night, I'm officially on the new time zone. I also take a dream CBD capsule the night before a really big or important work day. Like if I have a meeting that really matters, a speaking engagement that might be keeping me up in my thoughts all night. What I love about the dream CBD capsules the most is that I never wake up groggy the next day. I'm refreshed. CBD and melatonin truly go together like peanut butter and jelly. So to get your dream CBD capsules now and to be on to better sleeps, head on over to ashleystall.com slash soul and make sure you use the code U-Turn at checkout for 15% off your order. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash S-O-U-L and use the code U-Turn. Y-O-U-T-U-R-N at checkout. Now let's get in to this week's episode. Because any trauma is not an experience of the past. It's an experience of the here and now until it's fully resolved. That's because trauma isn't actually about an event itself. It's about how that event overwhelmed our system with energy. And then what happens is that energy gets stuck and stored. And each time our beautiful threat detector, known as neuroception, its job is to look for cues of safety or danger in the world. That's what it does all day long for us subconsciously and in a millisecond. And it bases what's safe or dangerous on our past experience. So if authority figures were dangerous in the past or men or women were dangerous in the past or nighttime was dangerous or being seen was dangerous, this beautiful threat detector will see any of those things in our current lives, even if they are safe, as dangerous because they were dangerous in the past. What's going on, U-Turn friends? We have yet another week in the mindset category, and I've been so excited to bring Sarah Baldwin onto the show. Um, you can find her on Instagram at Sarah B. Coaching, and she's a somatic practitioner, a coach, and a trauma-informed life coach. And what made me so excited to bring her on here was that she seems to have such original content. I love watching her IGTV, so definitely check those out. And there's just so much she can say about getting unstuck. And so I wanted to talk to you outright in this episode with Sarah about how to get unstuck. What are some steps she has and what can you do right now if you feel that sense of stuckness? Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Ashley. I'm so excited to be here with you and all your listeners. Yeah. And I know that you seem to have, um, I don't know, like such a great understanding of the science behind getting stuck. What was it that drew you into this sort of work? Um, well, really my own healing journey. Um, I, uh, am a complex PTSD, um, survivor and, and had lots of trauma as a child and went on a very long healing journey. And what I found was I reached a point where I had, I had done some really significant, beautiful work in traditional psychodynamic or talk therapy is what it's often, um, known as. And, 
Yet I was still finding that my system kept getting in the way or it felt like it was getting in the way and I was still remaining stuck. Meaning I cognitively knew I'm safe now, I'm safe to be seen, I'm safe to step out into the world. And yet these protective parts kept getting in the way in the form of a dysregulated nervous system or I would go into shutdown or overwhelm, et cetera. And so um, that really led me to my own somatic healing. And then from there, it led me to, um, you know, become a trained professional in this field. Mm, beautiful. And I also know that with PTSD, there's like, um, like, how can somebody decide if there's like just, you know, trauma where, and I can say just trauma, but they have some sort of trauma where every time something like that old situation that was traumatic for them comes up, they have a whole response versus PTSD. Like, where is the difference, would you say? Um, well, I am, am really of the, um, I come from come to this work in a place where I don't love pathology. And the reason why I don't love pathology um, is because really what's happening is there's nothing wrong with our system. Our system is simply coming to our defense because it sees a threat or danger. So, but, but to, to answer your question, um, oftentimes um, when we have PTSD or complex PTSD um, that can result from um, an experience that happens chronically or, or constantly, meaning more than one time. And I will say at the same time, for some of us, depending on what happened prior and the amount of safety that we had after, that can all, a one-time experience can also um, render as, as um, a complex PTSD or a, a rather PTSD experience. So it's really... Um, it's really individuated in try- in answering that. I know I'm being a little elusive, but it's really Im- that it's important to um, to really seek some support and help to get a proper um, um, diagnosis. But again, in either of those scenarios, or if we've experienced traumas, what happens in the result of that is that that event isn't over because any trauma is not an experience of the past. It's an experience of the here and now until it's fully resolved. That's because trauma isn't actually about an event itself. It's about how that event overwhelmed our system with energy. And then what happens is that energy gets stuck and stored. And each time our beautiful threat detector, known as neuroception, its job is to look for cues of safety or danger in the world. That's what it does all day long for us subconsciously and in a millisecond. And it bases what's safe or dangerous on our past experience. So if authority figures were dangerous in the past or men or women were dangerous in the past or nighttime was dangerous or being seen was dangerous, this beautiful threat detector We'll see any of those things in our current lives, even if they are safe, as dangerous because they were dangerous in the past. And then our beautiful self-protective system comes online in the form of um, our autonomic nervous system. And it feels as though oftentimes that trauma is happening again. So that's why I say it's trauma is not an experience of the past. It's an experience of the here and now. Mm, Beautiful. And... I know that, um, you know, we had talked a little bit also kind of on the same thread before we started recording about how stuckness is just a part of us trying to stay safe. And I'm curious, like, is there a way for us to rewire this protective circuit that we have? Because I know there's a lot of people listening who are so ready for the next phase of their life. They want to create something in their career and maybe there's something about money or whatever have you that's holding them back. Um, how do we even start that process? Yeah, well, that's um, a wonderful question. And it's something that we all get to that place in our healing journey. So I just want to normalize that first. Um, that stuckness is an experience that um, is so incredibly common. And um, stuckness, although it can cause us tremendous pain, it's really important to first understand that these beautiful protective parts of us aren't trying to harm us. They're trying to save our lives. And so the stuckness we experience is the protective parts 
not yet knowing that we are safe to step into the lives we want. And here's the really important thing to understand, that these protective parts don't understand a cognitive language. They understand um, somatics, which means the felt sense. Um, Our autonomic nervous system, which you often hear me call your own private Navy SEALs, or you could think of it as a special ops team. The reason I call it that is because there's many parts And they are are all the best of the best. They will do anything it takes, including eating our own muscle tissue to keep us safe. Mm -hmm. So that's their job. And safety will always trump joy, connection, um, purpose, abundance, etc. Our safety will always trump those things. So our work is how do we show, not tell, these protective parts that we're now safe to get unstuck. Um, and, and so um, to, to kind of long-windedly answer your question, the oftentimes we get to a place in our journeys where we're finally in touch with what we want. And that's such first just a significant place to get to and something to really celebrate that I now know what my truth is, or I, I know this is the area that I want to help the world in my own specific way, or I want to step towards having that relationship or family or business or abundance or whatever it might be. So we're really in touch with that truest self part or in, in IFS or internal family systems known as self, um, but I'm really in touch with that part. And when I'm in safety, that part is really taking up the whole plate, meaning I'm, I might be journaling or on a run and I'm thinking about, it'll be so amazing to have all these things. And I, I can't wait to have them. I want them so much. And then when we go to step towards them, the self-protective parts of us come online and say, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Don't you know, it's not safe to be seen. Don't you know, it's not safe to be vulnerable or use your voice or whatever else, because in the past it wasn't. Mm. And we experience this self-protective, these self-protective parts, meaning our autonomic nervous system, um, in a couple ways. One, as our sympathetic nervous system, which is our mobilization response, also known as fight or flight. So let's say I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna create that landing page or that website. I'm I'm ready to do it. I'm so excited. And then I sit down to do it and my sympathetic nervous system takes over and I feel lots of energy in my system or anxiety, worry, frustration, et cetera. And it's so hard to focus on what I'm doing or I get sidetracked and I, I can't stay present to it. So that can be a one common state that we go to, which is again, a self-protective state. It's my system saying, I either need to fight this thing or flee it. And it doesn't understand that we're, you know, it's, we're safe to put this up online and be seen or whatever. Um, The other state that we go to, our autonomic state, is called our dorsal vagal complex. This is our shutdown state or immobilized state. And folks can think about it like going into hibernation. Mm -hmm. So for me, I spent years where I would, this truest self part said, I want all these things. I'm finally ready. I know what it is I'm here to do. And then I would sit down to do some of those things and I would just go totally blank. I would, my brain would get fuzzy. I would feel exhausted. Like I needed a nap, even though I slept. And, um, and that was my, I didn't realize it years ago, but now of course, understand that that was my dorsal vagal complex or my state of immobility coming and saying, this is so dangerous that I'm going to have to immobilize you or put you in uh, hibernation because the threat is uh, so severe. And again, it wasn't threatening for me to, of course, I could tell myself, Sarah, there's nothing threatening about stepping out and wanting to help people. You're safe now. But to my system, because I had yet to do the nervous system regulation work, my system was saying, well, if you're seen, someone's going to abuse you or hurt you. So it's not safe to be seen. And that's, again, not work that we could, we can talk our way out of. We have to somatically feel and shift our way out of. And what we know is that our autonomic nervous systems, 
um, you might just hear it, people listening might hear it just referred to as your nervous system, um, is that it's possible to regulate it. And folks may hear the term a dysregulated nervous system. I don't, yeah. I don't love that because there's such a negative connotation to the word dysregulation. You know, it's not like, oh, wow, how, how great that your system's dysregulated. Um, but it's important to understand that it is, it is a great thing that it's dysregulated because there was a time where we needed it to be that dysregulated in order to help us through really difficult things. And if we are able to self-protect for days, weeks, months, decades, we most certainly can show our systems that we no longer need its chronic or constant self-protection. And that's how we regulate our systems. And somatic work is imperative and necessary in order to do that. Mm, I love this topic. And I'm, I'm also thinking a little bit about, um, let's say somebody who um, kind of shuts down when it comes to criticism, you know, like they feel defensive. What would be a step that they could take um, to start being more receptive to feedback, for example? That's a wonderful question and, and a wonderful point to make it such a common experience. So first, I just want to explain why that's happening. It's happening, that shutdown response um, where let's say someone's giving us criticism uh, or feedback, which is so important um, to get. But if if in our younger experience or there was a, some time where we were shamed or made to feel small or stupid or less than or criticism was dangerous, like we were going to get hurt in some way, then every time criticism comes up, even if it's safe now, at first, our system will see that as a cue of danger. So it will say, not to worry, I know what to do. I'll either put you in that fight flight response. So we'll either bail and say, for some folks, they might have a response like, you know what, forget you, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Like criticism comes. For some of us, there might be a, um, uh, a anxious response like, oh no, oh no, I'm in a lot of trouble. And we have a lot of anxiety. And then for others, we may go into a freeze, which is we have lots of energy on the inside, but we're frozen on the outside. That can be often referred to as deer in headlights. So Mm -hmm. just feel stuck. And then for some of us, we go into collapse, which is I'm going to just disappear because this feels so dangerous or shut down. Okay. I want to ask those one more time for the note takers. So there's flight, like there's fight or flight, and then there's collapse. What was the other one? And the other is freeze. So just to uh, just to quickly explain, there's something called our autonomic ladder. And um, uh, two people, Steve Stephen Porges and Deb Dana, um, really do incredible work around um, and polyvagal theory is what we're talking about right now. Um, so think of it like a ladder. And if I'm in safety. I'm going to be in what's called my ventral vagal complex. So remember I talked at the beginning about this threat detector we have that's in our brainstem. It's just looking for danger, safety, danger, safety. So if it says, oh, that's safe, a dog, nature, whatever, um, it will say, cool, we don't have to be self-protected. So when I'm in my ventral vagal complex, I'm safe to connect with myself, to connect with others, to be seen in the world, to experience joy and connection, intimacy, play, all of the like wonderful things in life and be present. And so the work of regulating our nervous systems is how can we begin spending more time there? That's, that's really absolutely imperative in nervous system regulation, which is the answer in getting unstuck. So our work is to spend time there. Now, if there's a threat, the first place we go is our sympathetic nervous system, which is that fight flight response or state of mobility. And when we're here, there's lots of energy in our body. I have to do something. I have to do something right now. Like it can't wait. If we're in a relationship and there's a rupture in the relationship, we'll have the experience of, I need to fix this right now because if I don't, something bad will happen. So there's a must do something experience there, a blended state below that. So if if the threat is too severe to fight or flee to our system, we'll go to what's called our freeze state. And that's a state of tonic immobility. So that's where I have so much energy on the inside, but I can't move. I'm frozen on the outside. And there can be a lot of shame about this response that folks have had, especially with trauma. Like, why didn't I fight back? Why didn't I do something? 
Well, our system was trying to protect us, saying it wouldn't be safe to fight back. So instead, I'll put you in this beautiful self-protective state. And then the last state, the oldest evolutionary response we have is called our dorsal vagal complex. It doesn't seem intense because we're in energy conservation, but in fact, it's our most extreme response. And we go here when our system says, you know what? I can't fight this thing. I also can't get away from it. So you know what I'll do? I'll go into um, energy conservation where I almost leave my body a little bit. I can feel numb here. I'm not really present. I'm... um, going into shutdown or collapse. And it can be, when we're in this state, it can feel difficult to think, can feel numb, fuzzy. Um, There's a wide range of experience, apathy, all the way down to hopelessness, depression, and then dissociation, which means I'm not really in my experience or in my body. Mm. And I know a lot of people, when they have dissociation, like the work of staying present in a conversation can be so hard when your body is doing everything to shut down. Yes. Um, so how, what would be like in that moment where you're in your automatic pattern that is totally holding you back and keeping you stuck? Let's say there's partners in a relationship and one of the partners tends to shut down. What would be like one thing you would say to that person who's in that automatic response just to start loosening its grip on them? Mm-hmm. So what we want to do is, again, come back into presence. So here's what I'll say. When we're dysregulated, our nervous systems need three things to regulate. They need choice, context, and connection. So those are the three C's that are absolutely necessary. Choice, context, and connection. Now, if I'm in shutdown, and let's say that you know could be over a rupture in a relationship, it could be over... Um, constructive criticism in your career, um, and we go into that state, in order for us to regulate, first going over choice, we have to have a choice, meaning a choice, can I can I leave this situation right now or stay? That would be an option, right? That's creating choice. Um, could I do this to regulate or that? Um, so we have to create some kind of choice for ourselves. I could respond or not respond. Context is an understanding of what's happening. So we need that. And then absolutely imperative is connection. We are, um, you know, animals, humans or mammals, and we need to, to, connection is primary in order for us to regulate. So if we're in dorsal, in my work, I do lots of regulating resources with folks. Um, but I just to, to give you some examples, when we're in dorsal, um, that that specific part of our nervous system is what's called unmyelinated. That means it can take a little bit of time to come out of dorsal. So I just want folks to know that. Think about it like a bear coming out of hibernation. It will come out slowly. So what we want to do when we're noticing that dorsal state is say, hey, I, I, I think my system is seeing this as a source of danger. So I might need to take some space and check in with your system to see if that's helpful, and then see how might I be able to come back into connection with myself. That might be uh, going for a walk, a slow walk, where I'm really present to each step that I'm taking. Might I be able to feel, let's say, the sun on my face or the wind moving through you know, the air? Um, that, that can be incredibly regulating for us. Um, can I connect with an animal that creates connection or a child or a safe person? When we're in dorsal, our system isn't going to want to connect. So we want to be gentle as we approach this. And um, a couple other things are tapping on meridian lines in our body can be really regulating. And also this um, particular sound, voo, V-O-O, when said in a low register, and I can make the sound for everyone, helps to release our vagus nerve and bring us into regulation. So it's an incredibly supportive sound to show, not tell our system that we're safe. Um, and when you make the sound, we usually do that in um, a three three times in a row, up to three, no more than that. And if it's supportive, you can put a hand on your chest and a hand on your stomach. And all that I would want you to do is notice the vibration that you feel in your chest, 
and your stomach as you make the sound and just release all the air until there's none left and then another in-breath. So I can make it. Would it be okay if I make that sound? Yes, please. All right. So it sounds, uh, again, lower than your normal speaking voice. So it can sound a bit like a little silly, like a foghorn. So I'll make this sound. And I will go until there's no air left and then breathe in again and then exhale Um, and up to three times. And then all that we ever want to do after we do any regulating resource is simply rest and notice, meaning rest and then allow our organism to reorganize. What that means is our system is saying, whoa, let me communicate to our brain. Our bodies are communicating to our brains that we are more safe and we want to allow time for that um, integration of that tool to happen. So lots of lots of times when folks begin doing somatic work, it can feel so strange and weird. Like, well, why aren't we cognitively talking about the, you know, the 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 problem here and and resolving it? And and what I like to to say is like when we try to say, just calm down. There's nothing to worry about. I'm safe now. Don't you know? I, I look around. I'm entirely safe. There's nothing to feel scared about. It really doesn't make a lot of change, and that's because our um, autonomic nervous system lies in our bodies, not our brains. And so our bodies need um, the somatic language. And so that's, um, that's a, that can be an incredibly powerful tool. That comes from um, Peter Levine's work, and he is um, the creator of somatic experiencing. Hey, U-Turners, this episode is sponsored in part by our friends over at Organifi. My absolute favorite product has got to be their chocolate and vanilla protein powder. Due to my recent diagnosis of Lyme disease, I've been super careful with what I put in my body, and I just smiled from ear to ear when my doctor read the ingredients on the back of their protein powder and gave it the thumbs up. They are gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, vegan, and almost no sugar at all. It is just magical and a miracle that it tastes like anything, let alone something this good. Their chocolate protein powder I love to put in with a nut milk, cashew butter, frozen blueberries, while their vanilla is so good with peanut butter, frozen strawberries, and nut milk in the blender. This smoothie is my absolute fix when I'm hungry anytime or when I have a sweet tooth. It's just so good. I mean, here's the thing. It's tempting to turn to that second or third cup of coffee. But the truth of the matter is that caffeine can only do so much. At some point, we need to look at the root cause of our fatigue. And it turns out that the two main factors in low energy are chronic stress and a lack of nutrition. Organifi's clean organic superfood blends address these problems head on with adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms to help you balance your cortisol levels associated with stress and they make it so much easier with one scoop of protein power to add so many more nutrients into your diet every single day. If you'd like to grab yourself some protein powder or really any of their magical products, just head on over to Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N and make sure you use the code U-Turn. Again, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N at checkout for 20% off. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Mm, beautiful. This is such helpful stuff. And I I also know I, I was kind of looking at your IGTVs because I just love how you consistently put out content. And um, there's a couple of things you put up on there as topics that I just wanted to kind of share with everybody. Like one thing you said is why the things we want can that most can be so scary. Um, and another topic you had covered is... Um, you know, like how to get in touch with your truth. And I think sometimes it's really hard to get in touch with what you want or what's true for you when you're in like a stuckness or you're in like a safety, like some sort of trauma around safety or fear from something having happened, having happened to you before where it feels like I don't even know what I want because I'm in so much fear. Um, so what feedback do you have for people to kind of reconnect to who they are and what they want? And what do you think it is that makes things that you want to be so scary? Hmm. So, um, those are wonderful questions. And I, I'm so glad we're talking about it because I really, um, dislike a lot of the 
a lot of the self-help world or, or spiritual world, um, of course, hopefully with the best of intentions, says things like just trust your gut or trust your truth. And the reason that's problematic is because oftentimes what's happening, that trust my gut feeling that says, I need to get out of that relationship today, or I need to quit this job. Let's say it's saying something like that. Um, that might be coming from self-protection rather than my truth. And it self-protection feels really real because it's so intense, right? And and so what we want to do, I mean, we our truth may be to leave the job or leave the relationship or stay or whatever, but we want to be sure that we're really connecting to it from a place of our truth. So a way that um, I love to, to invite people to do this is that um, first, um, actually, I can give if, if a really f- quick exercise, if that would be okay, that people yeah. invite in doing that can be really supportive. Um, what we want to do is come into that ventral state of safety Remember, that's the state where we feel safe to connect with ourselves, to others. We feel connected to our purpose. This is where flow is and joy and all of those yummy, great experiences and presence. And for many of us who've experienced trauma, we may, as some of you are listening, you might say, I don't think I ever spend any time there or I do so rarely. And I just want to acknowledge that that's so normal. And that makes so much sense because up until now, your system might be saying it's not safe to be in that ventral state because I'm not actively self-protected. Remember I mentioned those Navy SEALs or those special ops team, when we're dysregulated or we're self actively self-protected, it's like those Navy SEALs are standing right in front of us protecting us. But when we're in that ventral state, it's like the Navy SEALs are behind us. They're still there, but they're not actively protecting us. So it can feel like, whoa, I'm so exposed. And those protective parts can say, what are you doing? It's not safe to be un, you know, not actively self-protected. I'm going to come right in front of you again in the form of dysregulation. So what we want to do is experience what I call uh, ventral openings. How can I begin coming back into this ventral state, which is where my truth lies, my truth, which is based in the here and now? So um, one way to do that is through this really wonderful tool comes from Deb Dana's work um, of sifting. SIFT is an acronym that stands for sensation, image, feeling, and thought. So what I would invite everyone listening to do is to Think of an experience that you've had in the past that was really ventral for you, meaning you felt really connected and safe and happy and joyful, creative and flow, whatever it might be. Oftentimes, this can be an experience in nature. It doesn't have to be with another human, or it can be with uh, animals as well or with a person. Um, So think of a moment, and then I would invite each person to first notice when you think of that moment, what images come to you? So you can close your eyes to do this. What images come to you? What do you see? And not in your mind's eye, but really letting your system go back there. And as you notice those images, I would then invite you to notice what sensations do I experience? Sensations are things like relaxed, expansive, warm, light, tingly, jello-like, sparkly, um, bubbly. Those are all sensations. And of course, there's so many more. And as you notice the image that you see and you notice those sensations, I would invite you to notice what feelings come up. Feelings are things like Joy, connected, happy. So notice what feelings arise. And then as you notice those images and feel those sensations and notice the feelings that arise, I would invite everyone to notice what thoughts come to me or what's true. What's true? And whatever arises first is exactly right. And 
then what we can do, what I often have folks do, is have just a notebook that this is my ventral openings notebook. And when I'm here in my ventral state, I ask myself, what's true? And in this moment, what's true might be that I'm hungry, or what's true might be that I'm safe, or what's true might be that I'm meant to do this particular thing, or I want to do this particular thing. Um, So what's true can be anything that comes. What we're trying to do is somatically get in touch with what is it like to be in this state of safety and what's it like to experience truth while I'm here. And this tool of sifting um, is how we marinate in a safe experience, which brings our system to it. So what's really cool is um, even though that experience happened five years ago or yesterday, it's just as real for my system right now when I use this specific tool. And we humans are naturally negative creatures, so we will negatively sift things. You know, like if I think about an you know, activating experience from last month, I will naturally have sensations come up and feelings come up and thoughts come up and see images. And that deepens the neural pathway for it. So we can do the opposite for positive. And that's a really wonderful tool to use. And then lastly, I invite folks when we're working on regulating and getting unstuck or stepping towards the things that are scary is to do what I call ventral bookends. So can I do something before I'm about to go do this implementary step um, that's regulating for me? And there are two ways that we regulate, self-regulation or co-regulation, meaning things I can do with myself and things I can do with others. So it might be I'm going to go for a run or I'm going to do some yoga or I'm going to do a regulating tool like that foo sound or I'm going to dance or whatever is regulating for me. And then I'm going to take that tolerable step forward and then I'm going to regulate after uh, doing another regulating resource. So co-regulating would be things like chatting with a friend, having a, you know, a hug, being with an animal or a child or a person, etc. So um, that can just be a really helpful tactical way to begin implementing. Mm, I love this. And I also know that, um, you know, like, as I think about you wanting to release that hold, it, it was so interesting to me to listen to you say, like, if somebody says, just calm down, it's like, that's such a mental thought versus like realizing this is something that has to happen in our body and it's beyond just telling our body that it's it's feeling it um and and so I'm curious for somebody who maybe they feel like they are so stuck they have so many negative experiences that they've had around something and they want to free themselves up um is there anything to like just going out and doing it like I don't know I'm I'm just curious for the person who's listening who like for example, money, like in my business, I have generated a lot of revenue. I've lost a lot of revenue and made some mistakes. I've had to pay off debt. And there was a while where before I started really putting my, myself out there and taking financial risks or investing more in my business, there was like that moment of hesitation of like, do I really want to do this? I've already gone through enough with taking financial risks, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I rose above my fear and I just did it anyway. But um, I'm guessing it's not that simple for other people. Um, so I love the breathing exercise and the meditative work that we just did. Is there is there anything else that you think people can do when they're just like, I really want to put myself out there for that speech, but I can't get my fingers to type the cold email to the event manager, or I really want that extra project at work, but last time I really failed when I asked for more work, so I don't know if I should do it. Like, what what other steps could they take in that moment? Hmm. Well, I I really want to. Uh, acknowledge for those uh, out there, and I certainly was one, I spent a few decades stuck, who have experiences where it feels so impossible. Yeah. Though a part is saying, I really want this, this other invisible thing gets in the way, which is the protective circuit we have um, to get unstuck. So I just want to first say that, um, you know, no one can do this, this work alone. And that's because we need connection and co-regulation to regulate our nervous system, specifically if we've experienced traumas, of course. So we all need support. Um, so finding a, um, a polyvagal trained practitioner and a, or a, and or a somatic experiencing practitioner is really 
important. Um, or sensory motor work is really great too. All the, all are somatic modalities, but to help our nervous system to regulate. So I just want to give that caveat, um, especially if we're someone who's more avoidantly attached, myself included, thinking like, I could just do this all on my own. Um, that was certainly my view, like, because I had to as a child. Um, but the truth is, we can't, we all need support. So I just want to acknowledge that really important point. And um, a really important thing as we're doing this work is to do it in a titrated way. Here's what I mean by that. If we're going to step towards something like, you know what? Okay, I want to I start speaking. I want to be, um, well, our times have changed, but let's say, you know, an international speaker, I want to speak on big stages and I have something to say that I know will help people and really knowing that and feeling really solid in it. And like you mentioned, we go to write the email and we just go into one of these self-protective states. What we want to do is work within what's, as I said, titration or the window of tolerance for my system. Meaning, how can I take a step that's scary and hard without going into um, a self-protective state, either shut down or that sympathetic state? Um, and losing my my observer, meaning I'm not present anymore. So a really helpful way to do that is to break steps up into tiny steps that aren't tiny, they're huge. And uh, let's say, for example, it would be sending that email. Well, I might break that up into four, four steps, four different days even, depending on where my nervous system's at. So I will I might say, you know what, not in my Gmail, on a piece of paper, because that might feel safer for my system, I'm going to write out what I want to say. And Mm. I know that might seem just a silly practical thing, but it's not silly because my system is seeing, well, this piece of paper, there's no way it's going to get to that person. It's not even on my computer. And for our system that will then register as safer, which means we can stay more regulated while we do it. Mm. And then, you know, the next step might be, okay, now I'm going to write it into a Word document. It's still not in email, so I don't have to worry about it getting sent. Today, I'm just doing that. And then what's it like to write that out? And then later, I'm going to put it in a drafts note in my email. And then on the day that I'm going to send it, I'm going to eventually bookend it, meaning I'm going to do something that's really regulating before and after, reminding myself that I have choice. So I'm reminding myself today, I am not speaking on any stage or on any Zoom, whatever. Um, and even if they responded and said, yes, tomorrow's great, I have the choice to say no. For many of us, we didn't have a choice to say no. So um, those are really important steps. And I'm sure there's someone listening that's saying, well, holy crap, this is going to take me 75 years to, to get to that place. These seem like small steps. No, of course not. The more that we do them, the more our system begins to regulate. And then we can, you know, to the point where I can send 10 emails today and I feel totally okay doing that. Um, Yeah, it's beautiful. And I also, I love, like, I was watching that you did a, another um, clip about talking about, what was it? It was like, oh, procrastination. Mm. And I feel like procrastination, like sometimes there's just, I feel like it's such a loaded topic because sometimes people are procrastinating because it's actually the thing that they have on their list is actually a no for them. And maybe they can just set themselves free and remove the thing from their list. Um, and that's the resolution, but other times we're procrastinating because we're scared. Um, so I'm just curious, kind of like, what is your thought about procrastination? And do you have any message for anybody listening who, whether they have trauma or not, they're, they're resisting something, they're procrastinating at something that they want to bring into their life. What do you think that's really about? Mm. Well, you really eloquently said that, that it's about one or one of two things that um, either we, our truest self wants to step towards it, but our protective parts are seeing it as threatening or our truest self is saying that's a no, but the protective parts are saying it would be dangerous to say no Mm. for whatever reason. Mm. So a really, you know, let's say it's, you know, it's really time to leave that job or relationship. And maybe a part of us knows that, but the protective parts come online 
and say, well, it's not safe to look at that or no, we can't go there right now. And so what I just want to first acknowledge is, you know, I, I, or maybe say it rather is I've heard, you know, and probably a lot of listeners have had people in their life say things like you deserve so much better. Why don't you just leave that person? You're so amazing. And you know, they don't respect you or whatever. It's, they're not, you know, supportive of you or you deserve so much more than that job. Well, what's really important to know is that depending on where we are in our journey, even though that relationship might not be the best for us or that job, it's creating some kind of safety. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a, there was a time and maybe still now that we need that safety. And we would never want to pull away safety without replacing it. Just like I talk a lot about coping strategies versus regulating resources. So I would never, if someone was using something that could help them to cope or feel safe, we would never just pull it away because then I'm going to left, be left feeling excruciatingly unsafe or in a lot of pain. But instead, how can we replace it? So I just want to first say that. And and that's the work that can be done when we find support on our journeys so that we do feel safe enough to leave the thing that isn't right for us. Um, and if we are um, in something or we're, we're procrastinating and we really do want the thing that we're stepping towards and we're finding ourselves stuck, which again, I, I truly did that for, I don't know at least a decade. Um, And um, so there's probably other listeners that have experienced that as well and the pain that comes with it. And our work is how can we begin to regulate our systems and show ourselves that we're safe and and have the proper support? And when that happens, um, the protective parts get out of the way and then it isn't um, hard work to like, we're not fighting against our protective parts. They kind of move to the side and then procrastination goes away. Mm. I love what you're saying. And I'm also thinking almost before I let you go to just ask you for everybody listening, like how does somebody even know if what they have coming up is trauma? Because I think there's a lot of confusion around like, and there's a lot of social discourse around that, the concept of trauma, like, oh, that was traumatizing when maybe it really wasn't. So there's like some language around trauma. Um, How does somebody actually identify what is trauma so that they can start to kind of identify like moments or experiences that actually are keeping them stuck and getting to the root of it? Mm. Well, there are many different, many, many, many different types of trauma. And um, trauma, again, is anything that overwhelms my system. But here's what's really important to know. Something that is rendered as traumatic to one person, an event, may not be for another. For example, let's say two people were in a car accident. And same car accident, same thing happened. Um, And one of those people had a safe environment to go home to. And they don't have a previous trauma history, so their nervous system is pretty uh, resilient. Um, that situation would likely get processed through their experience, meaning it wouldn't get stuck. Now, for someone else who didn't have a safe environment to go to, go to or they were all alone, and perhaps they've had previous traumas happen, that event might get stored and stuck. And then stored and stuck, what, how that's experienced is um, by somatic flashbacks, meaning um, all of a sudden my body just goes into this tense place and I feel like I'm going to have a panic attack. That's mm-hmm. all somatic. Um, or when I see a car that's white, I totally dissociate and shut down and I'm not even present. Um, those, are, those are all... Um, re-traumatizations or the, how trauma is experienced. Sometimes it's experienced as a flash of an image, um, or again, somatically through sensations, feelings, or our nervous system becoming dysregulated. So people have probably often heard the term big T, little T. Um, uh, I, the problem with that is, is that it can minimize some of the the things that we've experienced. So, you know, most people think of trauma as 
um, maybe a maybe a car accident or um, physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, etc. Um, but trauma can also be birth trauma. You know, if we're born a preemie, that can be very traumatizing for our systems. Birth trauma as the mother, um, being a parentified child, meaning being made responsible for my parents' ex- parents' um, emotional life or you know physical life. Um, being bullied, um, not having safety in my home for whatever reason, being neglected or unseen or chronic misattunement. So, um, so there's many different forms. And for folks that are saying, well, I don't remember my childhood. The wonderful news is we don't have to remember what happened in order to heal it because our bodies remember. Um, as Bessel van der Kolk says, he's, he's my, one of my mentors, um, his beautiful book says the body keeps the score and that's exactly right. And, um, so much of our stuckness is due to the experiences from the past, um, informing our present. And the more that we can show, not simply tell our nervous systems that we are safe, the more we come into regulation, which means we get unstuck and live the lives we're meant to be living. Mm, This has just been so powerful. I'm so excited that we were able to have you on to talk about all this. Um, Where can everybody learn from you or what do you have for people to keep growing with you if you have courses or something like that? Sure. Um, I uh, do individual work. I also run groups about four times a year. So I'm, I'm currently have enrollment for a group that I do that's eight weeks. It's called Your Healing Toolkit and there's small groups. And then um, in a couple months, I'll be offering um, a more affordable self-guided course. So the group work is individuated with me, um, but the self-guided course, of course, is self-guided. Um, and and you, they can find all of those resources at sarahbaldwincoaching.com or on the link in my bio in my Instagram page. Woohoo! Thanks again for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Ashley. It was so nice spending this time with you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. Big shout out with so much gratitude to our sponsor, SaneBox. If email has become a soul-crushing distraction for you, then you need SaneBox. Their artificial intelligence easily syncs with your email and monitors your inbox, putting spammy emails you don't want into a separate folder beneath your inbox and sent folder, and it spares you from hours of endless time deleting emails that you never really wanted or should have gotten. This has been such a game changer for my productivity, and if you know just how email folders work, then you pretty much know how SaneBox works. Find an email in the wrong folder, you can just move it. There's really nothing to learn, nothing to install. SaneBox works directly with every single email server or service that has ever been created. Head on over to www.sanebox.com slash U-Turn. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N to access 14 days of SaneBox for free, as well as a $25 credit for a serious discount on their super affordable membership. In the meantime, if you heard about any resource you're interested in from one of our guests, you can find it listed in our show notes on the podcast tab of my website, ashleystahl.com. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com. Thanks again for listening, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.